Hey everyone, this is Pastor Stephen. I wanted to thank you for checking out our podcast, and we hope that this message encourages you and helps you in your pursuit to live for Christ with everything you have. We hope you enjoy the message. Church, for the last, what are we on, eight weeks now? We're going on to the ninth week. You know we've been in a study on the book of James. If you know anything about the Bible, you know where it's at. And if you don't, it's towards the very end of your Bible, and it's five chapters, and it's a plethora of knowledge. And it's one of those powerful books. But before I can get into the text this morning, I, I, I feel that I, I need to just kind of speak a little bit. Because if you look at the world around us, we see a lot of chaos going on. You turn on the news and all you're seeing on CNN and Fox News is all about the the, the war that's involved in the, the Israel war where they're going through Gaza and trying to figure out what to do with everything else around you. And the images of the horrificness of what has transpired, I hope none of us will ever see. Because what Hamas did to start this conflict was heinous, to say the least, and horrendous to think about. And for many, it will affect lives to go on. But I think it's kind of interesting that we're seeing some biblical things going on in the world around us. You see, Hamas is part of the Palestinian nation. They're actually the leaders of that area. And, and in Jerusalem, we have all the Jews that that decided to go and implant back into the Holy Land after World War II, after the Holocaust and everything. But the conflicts that these two have had is one that's went on for centuries. And, and, and you're, you're looking at me, and I'm, I know some of you are like, okay, what is that supposed to mean? I mean, if you look at the Word of God in the book of uh, Kings and, and Second Kings and First Samuel and Second Samuel, you see how the Palestinians have always came up against Israel in all of their time. And it's something that's so prevalent. But a lot of it because it's because of this struggle between Two brothers seeking to find the promise that their dad received. You see, if you've been in the church, you've heard of Father Abraham and how he has many sons and many sons have Father Abraham. But Abraham is the father of our faith. He's the, the guy that God called out of his own country to go into a land he did not know and, sojour, uh, and wandered, sojourned, I can't say the word this morning, and he walked around trying to figure out what God was doing. He had no kids. He had no ability to see the inheritance. But he trusted God. And it was in that trusting that God spoke to him that he would have a son. But it was at a time and a season in his life where he thought he was too old. And his wife, Sarah, thought that's never going to happen because she knew that that time and season of her life was closed up is what she thought. So she said, go, Abraham, and have Hagar, my servant, and go have children with her. And so she had Abraham's son, Ishmael. But God spoke to Abraham and said, that's not the promised son. I said, you were going to have a son with your wife, Sarah. And she ended up having a son, and his name was, Israel, or was Isaac. 
And you see the conflict that we're, we're seeing in our world today is these two sons' lineages going at it. Because they're competing over a promise that was spoken over one. They're all thinking that they're right because what we have to understand today, all, what is it, about 30% of the Palestinians claim true lineage to Ishmael. All of the Jews claim their lineage to Isaac because Isaac had Jacob and Jacob had 12 sons and the 12 sons went and had many more sons and daughters and they kept going. And the same is true for today. And what we see is this conflict that is going on in Israel right now is because you have two people with one heart, but unfortunately one's misguided. I have to hold on to what the Word of God says, that the promise went with Isaac and not Ishmael. But there was a promise over Ishmael that he would become a mighty nation, and he has. But it's the sadness of the terror that we are seeing unfold on the screens today or in our phones as we're looking at the newsfeed or if we're looking on the social media and seeing the images. Because I treasure every single life. Every life is valuable. Every life on this planet has a purpose for God. But they have to walk in that full surrender to God to unlock it and to see it. But that also brings me back to what's going on here in America. You see the division going on all around us. Here in Ohio, we have this new issue, and I'm not going to try to tell you how to vote. But I felt in my spirit that I have to speak on one issue, and one issue one. And that is issue one. I, I think I just said that. You see, I've, I've watched a lot of TV with my kids, and we, we don't always watch YouTube, praise God. But I've seen the ads where they're talking about extreme anti-abortion laws and how the new issue one is a non-extreme alternative. I've read the law, the amendment that's con uh, constitutionally written, because I think that it's smart for each and every one of us as we make our voices known here in the United States and our constitutional rights that are endowed by our Creator, that we should know what we are voting on. But the news and, and the people that want you to vote, they want you to vote with emotions. Oh, that sounds so extreme. Okay, that sounds extreme. The way you worded it. My emotions are stirred up. I want to vote whatever. But can I just tell you, you are an emotional being that has a brain in between that can process exactly the truth in it. Emotions will always lead to chaos. And in this, I want to encourage you to go and read what issue one is and what the, the dynamics is on it. Because what I have found in my life and everything that I've seen, and when I've read what issue one said, where it does not mention women at all in it, but a birthing person, 
It does not limit the age of which an abortion can happen, which means that it could go beyond nine months of gestation and even beyond the birth. And it does not matter if it's a health concern. It could matter if it's a personal choice. And it scares me that if this amendment were to pass, I'm not telling you how to vote, but what I've read, that it opens the doors for such heinous crimes that could happen against humanity. Vote your conscience. Read the laws. Learn what it says. Don't take every word I have to say about it. But know that we live in a trying time of divisiveness. And it's not just happening in Israel. It's happening right here on our front streets. It's happening right on our doorsteps. And we as Christian believers need to know what's going on so that we can be ready and understand an argument for the reason that we stand in the gap. It is also the reason... that I found it interesting that my text this morning was already highlighted by God to be spoken on this morning. You see, James chapter 4 is where we're going to look at it. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to that. It will go on the screen in a minute. But one of the things that I have found is when I read the Word, it, it, it kind of hits me in the face a little bit too hard. But then when I pray, Lord, speak to me as I read your word and let it go and highlight it in my mind. And he highlights things in my mind and it, it just completely takes me back because of what I see is the struggle in our society today. You see, some of the, the, the issues that we encounter the most come from things that we don't always want to look at. And I think when we read through this text in James chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, we'll kind of get an idea of it. What it starts off with, where James is coming out with a question, and he says, what causes quarrels, and what causes fighting among you? Is it not this, that your passions are within you? You desire... And you do not have, so you murder, you covet, you cannot, and you cannot obtain it, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask, and you do not ask, or you do not, or you, you ask, but you do not receive because you ask it wrongly to spend it on your passions. Let us pray this morning real quick. Lord, this morning I've dreaded this sermon. I've dreaded the conversations. But Lord, you would not let me get past this, and you've had this message written long before this week. But God, I ask that you just move through me. Speak through me, Lord. Keep my stammering lips from making messes, Lord, and let it be a word that goes into each and every one of us to have a self-evaluation, Lord, so we can see where we stand and your ways where we can understand your truth even greater, Lord, so that we can have hope and hope more abundantly as we walk according to what your word says in full obedience to you. Be with us this morning and touch us all. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. 
You see, I want to ask the serious question that James says. Because we've already talked about the, the chaos that's erupting, but, but what causes the, the, the quarrels and what causes the, the fighting among each and every one of us? If I were to ask you that, you would say, well, I don't know. I, I, I got hot in the moment, right? You ever had those moments where you just got so worked up and then all of a sudden it was on like it's Donkey Kong? You're ready to go to the attack. You're ready to go into all of it. And it's normal in our world, unfortunately. Because in a lot of ways, we've lost our decorum of how to deal with issues. You see, we look at our society today, it's so energy-packed with emotions. It's so energy-packed with emotions that, that, that what we're struggling to understand is that there's something greater beyond where we're at and it's not connecting because we're driven by our emotions. You see, I've had a time and a season in my life where, where my emotions, which are great and powerful and mighty, are able to do some exceedingly and abundantly things within me. My emotions let me love my children. My emotions let me love my wife. My emotions give me passion to do things that I never thought I would want to do. Like I had a passion to learn about birds, and I was like, okay, I'm going to become an ornithologist. So I started reading all about birds, and I figured out how to do all this stuff. Yeah, little nuggets there, Chip, I know. But there were other passions. I have to ask, what are your passions that drive you each and every single day? Is it a passion to make money? Is it a passion to love your wife? Is it a passion to, to feed self? Is it a passion to play video games? Is it a passion just to breathe sometimes? You see, your emotions and these passions we have have power behind them. But unfortunately, when we are led by these passion and these emotions, what we realize is we lose the ability to articulate and debate what's going on. That's why you see the political ads. They never tell you the truth, both sides of the story. You always have to read between the lines. That's why you watch TV and read, or, and, you, and you see the commercials come on, and you see a commercial for a Swiffer wet jet, and you're like, man, that's so easy. I need one of those. Because they know that emotions will always drive each and every one of us. But I'm thankful that God says it's by a sound mind that we can make good decisions. You see, what I'm, I really want to talk about this morning, the, today in America, we see our lives that, that we have all these quarrels that happen. But we are so intent on winning. What are we winning on? Marriage issues. Who's in charge of the household? Let me tell you right now, I don't care. I look at my wife every single day and say, Honey, you and me are equal. We're walking through this life. You can try to tell me what's going on. I can try to tell you what's going on. But if we don't realize that there's not one that has a power issue, then we need to really address what's going on. Amen. 
It's like raising kids. Let me tell you, in my household, we have five daughters in my household. There's always a, a fight going on somewhere. And we're trying to raise them and disciple them to show them truths in their lives. Like, I know you might think you hate your sister right now. But you've got to realize you love her. Or I know your sister took your so-and-so's makeup and she put it on her body and now you're upset because you can't find it. But just imagine how I feel when you take what I need. You see, we have quarrels and we want to be right and win every single battle. It's like in the workplace when you're dealing with a horrible boss and you know you're right. And they're not doing what you're doing. So you think and, and you, you, you connive or connive something. You, you, you formulate the right expression that you want to have to win your point. Or better yet, with your personal desires. See, we always want to win the fight about how we spend our time. We always want to win the fight about how the money should go. We always want to win the fight with how we label and are treated by others. Let me tell you, cancel culture has showed us that completely. That if we don't show them exactly what they want, they want to shut you down. We have all these areas of conflict, but what James's point is true. That, that, that where the quarrels and the fights are coming from are always going to be correlated to the fact that we are at war, but not with others, rather ourselves. Just take that for a second. We're at war with others, but we're not really at war with others. We're at war within this battle in ourselves because we're trying to figure out who we are. Let me tell you, I'm 41 years old. I have other individuals in this church that are a whole lot older than me. And they're still trying to figure out who they are. They're still trying to understand who God's called them to be and why he's got them on this earth. And they're trying to understand and try to, to figure it all out, but they can't. So sometimes they get a little flustered. And they get a little disheartened and they, they, they don't know what to go and do sometimes. You see, the struggles that we are often fighting that are not with others or with uh, the other people is because of what we feel, what we want, and what we desire. It's like most marriages struggle because we want to be right. Most marriages struggle because we want to know what's going on and be in control of it all. Can I give you a highlight into my marriage of what one of the biggest struggles in my marriage is? I go up to my wife and I say, honey, what do you want for dinner? <laughs> I don't know what it is about that simple, easy question. Honey, what do you want for dinner? And she looks at me and goes, oh! But she, 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 starts getting so upset. She's like, I just don't know. And I'm like, honey, I know you don't know, but I'm trying to plan it out so I can go to the grocery store and get what we need and, and so that we can make the dinner and so that we can figure out what the kids are going to have for dinner. Can we just come? And she, I don't know. I don't know if it's just a fight within her trying to figure out the indecisiveness of what sounds good right there in the moment or if we just need to do the whole meal plan and plan out a whole month's worth of meals and just say whatever we have, we have. 
But there's something in that easy question that messes people up. But there's other deeper questions in, that hit the, the marriage that causes so much issues and so much, so much strife. It's, it's, it's the struggle that we go in day after day, week after week, year after year as we're together and we're cleaved and we're learning each other. That can cause so much issues. But one thing that's true is a statement by George S. Patton that I think that we need to take root of. And that is the simple fact that wars are not won by fighting on the battlefield. But wars are won by choosing which battles you fight. I have learned in my 41 years of this whole horrible length of life that I've had. Not really. Is that it's not about where I choose to fight. Or not, not, not where I choose to fight. It's not about the battle and being right and winning. It's about the decisiveness of which ones I go to. I'm not going to die on my sword about what's for dinner. I am going to die on the sword about where we're going at the end of our, this life. I am going to win the war when, when, when emotions get high, that I'm not going to walk out in a divorce. I am going to win the war that of everything that I can get into because I trust God with everything I have. You see, it's the battles that we choose to fight that matter the most, that God is trying to waken up our lives to. It's the reason why we see such chaos in this world. It's because they don't have the battle plan in place. The right one, I should rephrase. They just say, I want it all. Can I tell you? The Palestinians are at war because their intention, according to Hamas's doctrine, is they want to infiltrate and rule the entire world they want it all but first and foremost they just want to wipe out israel it's the struggles that we have because the battle plans are not precise people in this world and cancel culture all they want to do is cancel it all because they want to win the war but the church is called to be the ones that are on the battlefield that's trying to love people in each and every battle to win the total salvation of this life you see one of the struggles that each and every one of us have in the church and outside of the church it is that our selfishness or our selfish desires lead to the path of conflict James chapter 1 through 2 says it is not this that your passions are at war within you you desire your desires do not have to... Let me see if I got it right here. Your desire do not... Uh, you desire and you do not have, so you murder, you covet, and you cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel among each and every one of you. You have so much struggles within you. You see, what we have to really truly root out in our lives is the fact that all the fights that we have, they're always tied to the offense because of the internal selfish desires that we all have. We all desire to selfishly be smarter than everyone else in the room. We all desire to be richer than everybody else around us. You know, like the, the keeping up with the Joneses. We want to be like them and be better than them. We all want to put out an image that makes people want to be like us. Because ultimately, 
we all want to have the authority over everything that we do. The truth is that we live our lives with conflict or conflicts that occur because we desire to be worshipped. We desire to be worshipped. We desire to have everybody look around us and say, oh, I want to be like them. image bearers of the one that should be worshipped. But it seems like we always mess it up when we think that the image should be worshipped just like the creator. And that's the dysfunction that comes through this life. That's the dysfunction that will come through everything. You see, the truth is our lives are that we want to be worshipped. But if we do, uh, but if you, you don't believe this and this true reasoning of emotions, let me ask you, what is the largest part of conflicts? I've seen in my marriage and other marriages that when a husband doesn't, come, or doesn't say when he gets home, man, the house looks so clean after the wife has cleaned the house. Oh, it's on. You didn't tell me I did a such a good job. No, honey, I just got home. I worked all day. I'm sorry. I had a long day. I'm exhausted. Oh, or, or better yet, you know sometimes how humans do. If we don't want to be vocal, we just shut down. And it causes the conflict in that. You see, when we get overlooked for a promotion at work, it offends us. So what do you do? You imagine quitting with such disdain and such flair that everybody knows what's going on in your mind. At least I'm not speaking to myself here. Better yet, growing up, young ones, when you get your hard work homework back and it's covered in so much red ink because of all the errors you made, and you know you slave for hours on it. See, me and my wife were in college recently, so we know this pain. And we get all the red ink on it, and we're like, what did I do wrong? And then we get so mad, so we, we write out the email to the professor. Professor, I did this, this, and this, and you're just so wrong. And we're taking out the whole point that the red is supposed to help us to grow in our education. You see, there's a passion within us because we desire to be worshipped, and that is the hardships that we all go through. That is the hardships that will always rage within us. That is the things that we always come to. Because what Genesis chapter 3 and 15 reminds us is that, that the strife that we're fighting through in humanity is always rooted to the devil because of the cause of struggle. In Genesis chapter 15, 3 15, verse 15, we see, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between the offspring and her offspring. This enmity, this battle that's raging around us, is one of spiritual principalities that are going on every single day. You see, the enmity is not between man and man. But it's against us and the devil who wants to cause us to fall astray. That's why I love it, because Paul writes it so elegantly when he says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against the rulers and against the authorities and against the cosmic powers over demonic powers and influences. 
that, that, that the present darkness. It's against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Oh. It's against the evil spiritual forces in the heavenly places. Oh, you're not getting it. I already alluded to it already. You were made in his image. You were designed to be a temple of the Most High God as his spirit indwells with each and every one of us. Ooh, you're not getting it. Chip's getting it. You were designed to be a heavenly place where God could be exalted in everything that you have. But there's a spiritual force of darkness, this evilness that keeps trying to invade it, and it's trying to engulf each and every one of us every single day of our lives, trying to cause the detriment in our society. It's trying to cause the strife in your households. It's trying to cause the issues at work. He's trying to do everything he can because he is a good devil. But we serve an awesome God. We serve a powerful, mighty God who is great and highly exalted in everything that we have. And what we have to know is that the battles that we're fighting are always going to be the spiritual ones, whether you realize it or not. Our emotions usually are led and driven by the, the, the things that are around us are the spiritual forces. And sadly, it's what causes this nature of sin to overtake and creep within each and every one of us that causes each and every war and quarrel and unfortunately it scars even the church like it does the world you see what I'm looking at in the world and I'm asking God is this one true thing God why And the only thing I keep hearing from God when I look at these quarrels and these fights and these wars that are going all around, and I'm asking the question why, he keeps highlighting to the fact that it's not done yet. He's trying to call and awaken everyone up to everything that we have within us, but because he calls us to be his own. He's calling us to become an awakened generation to see who he is and understand that even the darkness God has don't believe me look at the book of Genesis where it says that when it was all over the face of the world and it was dark and he says let there be light the scripture reminds us that where there is light darkness has to flee so we have to hold on to these truths we have to hold on to these natures and these these derivatives of of, of knowledge that we have to obtain as we ask God God, show me what it is that you want us to do. Show me what's impossible to you, God. Show me which way I should go through this life and in this journey. But I'm reminded, how do we see it? How do we see what God is trying to waken up within each and every one of us? It's not because of who you are, but it's because of who he is. You look great this morning, but he's so much better. I'm glad that you're here with us this morning. I'm glad that whoever's watching on the live stream or listening to this in the audio form on our podcast app that we use, I'm glad that they're hearing this message because it's great that you can hear this message. 
think that said it. But the truth is, no matter how high you think of yourself, he is still higher. No matter how high you think of yourself or how much worthy you think of yourself, he is far more worthy than anything you would ever imagine. Because he is the Alpha. He is the Omega. He is our beginning. He is our end. He is our all in all. He is our only hope. He is our only Redeemer. He is the one that wants to love each and every one of us fully and allow us to have that sense. But that's where we have to realize the thing that the human mind struggles with is is that we are called to ask rather than to take. In our human minds, we've lived by the life of God only helps those who help themselves. Let me tell you, I've read the word more times than I want to count, and I have never found that in Scripture. God doesn't care what you can find on yourself. If you think that's the truth, then let me tell you why the book of Genesis was so uh, prevalent where people were learning to trust God. See, Noah had no ability to build an ark. He never even heard of an ark. And when God was going to destroy the world because of the evilness, it was God that gave him the ability to build the ark by the knowledge that he gave him. You think about the book of Exodus where we see about the Israelites being stuck in Egypt under the slave of bondage, building things for the Egyptian kingdom and and for the Pharaoh and doing all the slave labor that they had to do. And all they started doing was saying, God, we can't do this on our own. But they learned to ask, Lord, we're in a mess. Help us. God, we heard of you through our fathers. Help us. Make a way, God. And then God makes ways. You see, the Israelis outnumbered the Egyptians back in the time. They could have overthrown them and taken the whole kingdom. But what God was highlighting to the truth, that we're not meant to be takers of this world. We're meant to be asking in full submission to God for everything that we have. I wake up every single morning... Like Brother Kenny says, thank you for the breath in my lungs because it's a gift from you. Lord, thank you for my bank account and the ability to pay bills because it's a blessing that you've given me. Thank you for the roof over our head this morning so we're not having this sermon in the middle of the downpour rain this morning. Lord, thank you for the power, Lord, that allows us to have the lights on and have the the wonderful screens going. God, thank you for our, our 1964 special boiler down in the basement that's able to still cause heat to go through the radiator system so the building's not cold. See, I'm thankful for what he's got because I've learned that I have not because I ask not. That's why James was so, so highlighting the truth that what we struggle with in human life is the ability to articulate a prayer. Not because God doesn't know what you need. It's because he wants you to know that you need him more. See, we live in a world that's got all these chaos and conflicts trying to win and get everything because they want to take it for themselves. But the Christian faith, 
the Christian way, the way that Jesus walked on this world, was always one where he says, not my way, but yours. Not my will be done, but yours. God, whatever you have for me to do, let me take it on with full sincerity and full hunger and full thirst for your righteousness so that I can see your truth and your love come through it. But the other side of the coin is learning to ask right. How many of us have ever prayed, Lord, I need a million dollars? I'm not going to be the only one up here raising my hand. I ask for a million dollars every single day. God, give me a million dollars. How many of us have ever asked for $100,000? Come on, people, be real. How many have asked for $20? At least we got one. One real truth person in this place. We keep asking, God, just bless me. Give me $20 to do this. God, give me $20 to do that. I have met people that have went to God in the darkest moments where they said, God, I just need you to give me $20 so I can go get me a little bit of heroin so I can get high right now. Do you think God's going to answer that? I've met people that have said, I have prayed the prayer, God, I need a Lamborghini Bugatti so I can go and have this lady look at me and so I can go marry her because she's smoking hot. No, seriously, I've had people tell me that's what they prayed in this life. And I'm like, no. I've had other people say, Lord, I just want to play in the NFL and make millions of dollars so I can live this life and I can go have all the women I want. And I'm like, I understand you're asking. But you don't realize you're asking wrong. You see, what Jesus represents in the truth of our nature, when he gave us the example of how to pray, we find this in Matthew chapter uh, 6. We, we, we see it where he looks at the disciples and they go, Jesus, how do we pray the right kind of prayer? And he says, you pray like this. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That's the, the whole understanding and acknowledging that your dependence on everything that you have is on God and he's asking for total submission and the understanding of who he is. If he is the creating God, if he is the one that has all authority in all of that we do, if he is the one that doesn't let a drop of rain fall without him knowing about it, or better yet, if he can count every single hair on your head, if he is that kind of God, you need to acknowledge it. Because it continues on in the prayer where he says, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And that's acknowledging that God has a plan for each and every one of your lives. Here's the powerful words. Give us this day our daily bread. You see, I live my life with the full knowledge and the full truth that every single day, he's the one that provides. Every single day of your life, you think that you're working through the grind, he's the one that's blessed you with that day to earn that grind. He's the one that blessed you with the job to earn that money, to get that cheddar in your bank account. I'm talking a little younger lingo. Sorry, guys. Where he lets that money come in through the check so you could take it to the bank, as Brother Kenny would always say, because you know a check is better than, than credit card. He's the one that's allowed you to have everything and the provisions you have. But he's asking you to forgive our debts 
Lord, forgive what I've done as I forgive everybody around us because I don't want the quarrels of my life and the dysfunction and the, 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 the whole disarray that I've lived through in my life to keep going. Because what I want is peace. But God, I trust that you will help me with it. You will help me to remember not the faults of others, but you will help me keep going through it. And God, that you'll lead me out of, or lead us not unto temptation, but delivering us from the evil, conniving ways of the devil. You see, what I'm trying to get us to understand, what I've been feeling God was speaking through me every single day I was, I was studying, is that we have a mess that has been going on from generation to generation to generation, and it's still going. But where does it stop? Where does it have its stopping point? Because the sin that happened in the garden with Adam and Eve is still continuing to this day. But it's by faith and determination to see God and to serve Him that everything that we have that we can see a truth that can come through. We have to learn this, that the, the, the nature that we have, that the desires that we have are of the flesh, and they're always going to go against what the desires of the Spirit are. That the desires of the Spirit are completely contrary and against the things of the flesh. You are always going to be conflicting within your own body because of the garden experience with Adam and Eve because of the original sin. And unfortunately, it's always going to cause more strife and issues. But I want to tell you this morning that we have to go to God and trust Him. Because the only way that we can ever get rid of this flesh issue and this strife and the wars that we're constantly going up against in battles in our households, in our workplaces, and in all, through all the world, is when we realize what is of the flesh. Galatians chapter 5, verse 19 reminds us of this. It says, now the work of the flesh are evident. It means they're, they're completely obvious. That the sexual immorality, the impurity, the sensuality, the idolatry, the sorcery, the enmity, the strife, the jealousy, the fits of anger, and the rivalries, and the dissensions, and the divisions are always going to keep going along with the envy, the drunkenness, the orgies, and things like these. These are all things of the flesh. The things that it wants constantly that you would feed it. But we have Jesus who says that's not the way. We have a God that says, I didn't call you to be for the flesh. I called you to be for the spirit. And the spirit, like I said, is contrary. We live in the chaotic world. But we're called to put on a new nature. This nature is so mighty and wonderful because the fruit of the Spirit is love. It is joy. It is peace. It is patience. It is kindness. It is gentleness. It is fullness or faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And I love how Paul writes it out like this. He says, of all these things, there are no laws against it. If you'll stand with me this morning. We live in a world that wants the wars. 
We live in a place and a time like no other where it seems like it's always going to be on. The, the, the scripture says in the book of Revelations that we will know that the season of his coming is because there will be wars and rumors of wars. Because the demonic forces are at hand every single day. But we're supposed to be different. We're supposed to be called apart. We're supposed to have this new nature because we will become new creatures in Jesus Christ. It is what allows us and equips us to feed the Spirit, man, that gives us the fruit of the Spirit. That's why I always love it when I, when I hear somebody says, Hey, I'm, I'm a Christian. And I look at him and I say, okay, let me look at your lifestyle a little bit and see if I see fruit. And if I don't see fruit, I'm going to try to encourage you to, to, to go back to, to the starting point and, and start looking at it. But I would be remiss if I don't ask this morning. Do you know Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life? If that's not you, if you do not know who he is and you want to make him the Lord and Savior of your life because you want to start over again, because you want to see something change in your home, in your life, in your marriage, in your kids' life, if you want to just see it change just because you feel completely all over the place in your life and you want him to make him the Lord of your life, will you just shoot your hand up this morning? Is there anybody this morning? If that's you on the live feed, just let us know who you are. Because what I feel that we need to do this morning is say a prayer. And these prayers mean absolutely nothing. If they're not done right. If they're not done with the full intention in your heart. So I'm going to ask you all to repeat after me. Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Make me a new creature. A new creation a saved son and daughter of the Most High. Because, Lord, right now, I know that you went to the cross and you died on it to purchase my salvation. And better yet, that on the third day, you rose from the grave to make me this new creature. So today, I declare... You are the Lord of my life, and I will serve you all the rest of my days. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't know who that's for, but it's probably somebody online. You don't realize, we have hundreds of people watching online, and we have like usually 10 people online tell me that they, they dedicated their life to the Lord. So can we just give them a round of applause this morning? But even with those online doing that this morning, I want to ask. I know wars are going to happen. I know struggles are always going to occur. But do you see the, the fruit of the Spirit in your life? Do you see that love that goes beyond all understanding keep firing up in your life? Or do you see that hatred kicking in? Do you see that patience kicking in? Or do you see that that complete, just right now moment kind of kicking through. Amen. Do you see that gentleness or do you see the harshness? You see, what I'm trying to get at this morning that I want to encourage each and every one of us, I'm not calling you out. I'm asking you to do the work. I'm asking you to look inwards and say, God, what is it that's in me that I need to work on? What is it that's in me that you can plant the fruit of the Spirit in me so that it can start growing every single day? Because I've learned it's not instant. It takes time. 
That's why when my grandparents' church, I looked at that sign and it said, patience is a virtue. And I said, I hate that sign. And then I made the mistake of asking for patience, Brother Chip. My wife says, oh, (laughs) never again, she said. Never again. But I just want to encourage you. Always look inwards and ask God, what is there that needs to be worked on? Because I'm tired of hearing rumors of war. I'm tired of hearing about wars. I'm tired of hearing about relationships and breakups. I'm tired of hearing the word divorce and marriages. I'm tired of hearing households can become divided because of what they're doing to their kids because they're messing it all up. God's called us all to be the example that goes forth and declares his coming. And the only way that they'll know that we see and feel that truth in our lives is if we let that love of God rooted in everything that we have be exposed all around us. Let us pray this morning. Father God, I thank you for who you are. Lord, I ask that you just touch each and every one of our hearts and our minds this morning. Lord, I ask you, let us take that self-evaluation as we go through this life and as we are just connecting with you even greater, Lord. I ask that you let this word that you've given us become a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, Lord, as it exposes where we stand right now. But God, if we have some impurities in our life, I ask that you burn them up. By your Holy Spirit, I ask that you just invade us, Lord. Lord, I ask that you you go through each and every one of us, Lord, and start planting the seeds of life, Lord, that we might see them grow and sprout forth and bring forth the good fruit. That God be the one that's in charge. Because, God, we're asking the right prayer. Not what we think that we want, but what you want. Because we don't want anything, Lord, unless it's your will. Lord, have your way in our lives. Lead us unto the still waters and the trouble sometimes. Lead us into the paths, Lord, where we can have the conversations to let people become saved like we are.